I think all jobs, but specifically restaurants, uh, you are there either to make art or make machines. Everything is greater via collaboration and cooperation. Surprises are the only time when you really get to kind of flex your biggest muscle, and that's your brain and your creativity and your resolve. Comfort never breeds creativity. Hey, everybody. Welcome to PepsiCo's Unexpected Professor Podcast. I'm your host, John Palumbo. Now, this podcast was created for, for all you college students out there who have probably heard about all those skills that you need to master before you go out into the quote-unquote real world or out into the workforce. Things like teamwork and collaboration, time management and multitasking, even keeping your ego in check. Now, the thing is, these aren't skills that they necessarily spend a lot of time teaching you in college. And, and when, you, when you're looking for help, especially if you go out onto the web, you end up finding a lot of the same old tips and advice and strategies from very expected sources. And, and while that information's fine, what, what we want to do is help you in a very different way. We don't just want you to learn from expected sources. We want you to learn from unexpected sources as well. Because this idea of tapping unexpected sources is something that's done at PepsiCo every day. To do things like to, to learn skills, to create and develop innovative new products, just to keep, even just to keep everybody kind of thinking differently. And, and each episode of this podcast is going to give you the opportunity to experience that approach and that philosophy while helping you build those skills that you keep hearing about that you'll need. Now, all that being said, today's unexpected professor is actually a chef. It's Chef Justin Warner. Hey, Justin, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So glad to be here. Now, you might be wondering why we're talking to a chef. Like, why, why a chef? But just consider those skills that I mentioned earlier. Teamwork and collaboration, time management, multitasking, even, even keeping your ego in check. Those are all things that successful chefs need to master. So I figured we would see what we could learn from, from Justin. Now, of course, those of you who are fans of the Food Network probably already know Justin since he was the winner of the eighth season of Food Network Star. He's also the author of a, of a book called The Laws of Cooking and How to Break Them. And what I'm going to do is ask Justin a bunch of questions about his field and his approaches to find strategies that maybe you can leverage when you get out into the workforce. All right, so we're going to get started, Justin. So, so the college students listening, uh, obviously they've been going to school for years, and, and, when, and when they graduate and enter the workforce, they, re they want all their hard work to pay off. Now, of course, the reality is that many of them are going to enter the workforce and get entry level positions which can which this could be it could be really humbling as well as frustrating especially since you have these big dreams and these expectations and then reality kind of smacks you in the face and you end up feeling like you're back at square one it's almost like it's almost like starting your freshman year all over again now i'm thinking you're a great person to talk to about this type of of scenario since there are lots of chefs like yourself who are super talented and probably had pretty high expectations about where they thought they should be when they started out, but may have ended up getting a job and starting, let's say, at the very bottom. Now, I'm wondering, is that something you experienced? And if so, how did you handle it? 
Uh, I've definitely experienced that. Um, so before I was a chef, I was kind of like what I like to call a pro waiter. So <laughs> waiting tables was my job and uh, it was my livelihood and I took it very, very seriously. Um, I like to say I have a PhD in, in waiting tables. So even more than four years of school, I waited tables for about 15 years right. and uh, I got pretty darn good at it. And uh, every basically every time you switch jobs, uh, even if you think it's a move up, chances are you're going to start at a position that is lower as kind of like a test run to see if you've got what it takes uh, to fit in in a new restaurant, a new environment, a new cuisine. And so, you know, every time I would move, uh, for example, I was at the top of my game in Denver. I moved to New York and I was at the absolute bottom of the game, not my game, but the game. Right. And so I think that that's something that uh, – it's like ha being having that freshman year of life where you're out of college and you're kind of at the bottom again. And I think that that's a, a time that you can say to yourself, look, uh, all of the things that I uh, want and expect are now mine to get. And going through college, I assume, I didn't go to college, but going through college, I assume you're getting these skills, uh, you're learning things so that you can go out into the real world and prove just how much you know. And so... That, that sort of freshman year when you're at the bottom, that's when you really get to start making the moves. I find that the, the higher you move up, the, the less uh, trajectory, things move a lot slower. So I always tried to move fast when I was at that bottom rung. Uh, I tried to look around me and think and analyze as often as possible. Uh, what can I do to be better than everyone else? What can I do to be better than my competition? What can I do uh, to get noticed? But yet stay within the parameters of what my job is and what is asked of me. Yeah, so so that's great. I, I, you know, for the college students listening, you all realize that there's a good chance you'll get out of school and you'll start in an entry-level position. And I'm sure, I'm sure you know, you, you, not only do you know that, but you're okay with it because you know that you need to start somewhere. But if you, if you find yourself feeling frustrated or or like the hard work that you put in in college isn't paying off, or the things that you learned aren't being leveraged. Keep what Justin said in mind. It was just great advice. I mean, look at, look at it as the time to look around, see what everybody else is doing, identify those things that maybe you could do better. Look at it as the time, like Justin said, to make moves. I mean, it's just, it's just great advice. So, so Justin, let's, let's um, keep going. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm sure that many of the students listening have heard stories about jobs where you just work for a paycheck you go in you put your head down you do the work you clock in and out at a certain time and when you leave work you leave your work at work in other words you don't think much about it once you're once you're back home on the other hand there are jobs where you give it your blood sweat and tears and it's all it's about more than a paycheck and you never stop working because you're always thinking about it you're you're just so it's just you have you're just very passionate about it i'm interested in your perspective on getting your perspective on these types of jobs especially since there are probably some kitchens where the staff works for a paycheck and maybe others that go beyond that yeah so uh i think all jobs but specifically restaurants uh you are there either to make art or make machines and so um they're 
it, they're not easy to spot because oftentimes uh, machines are disguised as art. Rarely are, is art disguised as machines. Um, and so what, what I mean by this is sometimes there are restaurants that are uh, driven by passion, not by profit. They're driven by enthusiasm. They're driven, driven by pushing their customers' palates and their experiences to new levels. These restaurants are generally the kind of place where uh, your opinion as an employee matters, regardless of your position, how long you've been there, etc. All ideas are taken in because all ideas are valid and all ideas uh, could lead to a better creative process. There are also then restaurants where you're there to put your head down, get the work done, clock in, clock out, and make sure you make the same thing every day consistently and relentlessly. There is actually a little bit of art in the ability to do that. The question is, which thing is more fulfilling to you? Mm. I find that at restaurants and jobs where you're dealing intensely with the creative process, that uh, frustration, burnout, bringing that work home with you, uh, having work dreams uh, mm. is more of a likelihood. At restaurants and workplaces where you simply put your head down and do what's asked of you, clock in and clock out, it's very easy to leave your work problems at work and go home and live the rest of your life. Um, it really just depends on what you want to do and where you get your gratification. So back to the restaurants and workplaces that run like machines, you know, the, the how do I explain this? The parameters for what constitutes a good job are often very hard and fast. You meet this quota, you deliver this many things, you do this much per hour, uh, no one was injured. Those are very hard and fast and it's very easy to not take that job home to you. Then you can pursue whatever you want creatively on your own time and on your own dollars. So, you know, it's really a 50-50 thing and I think one thing that a college student could do is kind of analyze what kind of person they are and what they find rewarding yeah that's a great point I, you know, because it's not that one is better or worse than the other but but for for you students out there it really is important to think about which type of job or which type of lifestyle you want so that's that's just great advice um, okay Justin so let's let's talk a little bit about teamwork and collaboration now as you can imagine the students who are listening they hear all the time how important it'll be for them to be a team player or to collaborate when they when they get out into the workforce or out into the quote-unquote real world. So I thought it would be interesting for them to hear a bit about this from you since yours is one of those fields that's just synonymous with teamwork. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, teamwork is the dream work. There's a reason that is an expression and that it's practically overused uh, to the point of almost not having any validity anymore. But honestly, it's the truth. Um, Everything is greater via collaboration and cooperation. Um, rarely, rarely in my experience have I ever found that any sort of top-down dictatorship style of uh, creating or of working works. It might work for a little bit, but it rarely works for a long time. It's very, very difficult. You know, I look at running a restaurant. I look at coming up with ideas. I look at producing things as being like a hit maker. You know, sure, you can make a one-hit wonder, that is 100% your vision all the time. But without collaboration and without even cooperating with the outside influences of the world, uh, rarely can you just deliver hit after hit after hit. And that, to me, is success. That proves that you're not a one trick. You know, uh, I like to look at a restaurant uh, as being like a pirate ship. 
you know, a, a rough cast of characters, a band of scallywags. These are all things that make for a really good work environment. And that's because you have a lot of different people bringing different experiences and different ideas to the process. It, you know, it's like the Avengers, you know, uh, Tony Stark on his own, he comes off as like a billionaire, rich kid, a little bit cocky and arrogant. But then you start to add Black Widow, tough, feminine, uh, powerful, seductive. Great. Now that's a great team up. You add the brute force of the Hulk. You know, without the synergy that's in the Avengers, you don't really have the Avengers. You just have one hero, which is not a complex story to tell. Human beings love complexity, intricacy, and detail. And cooperation and team building and teamwork creates that because you create this tapestry, this narrative. You know, uh, I speak a certain way. I write a certain way. My handwriting is a certain way. I create things only in my way. It might be multifaceted. But it's not as faceted as if I were to collaborate with someone else. Right. That's that's how you create greatness. Well, for you students out there, I mean, look, you, you could go read all the books and articles that you want about being a team player or collaboration. But I'm, I'm not sure you're going to find a better explanation for why they're so important than that answer that Justin just gave. Um, and for and for all the reasons Justin mentioned when you're when you're out there interviewing, don't hesitate to ask hiring managers or recruiters how the companies that you're interviewing for foster collaboration and, and, and seek out those companies that are built like the Avengers, to use Justin's analogy, companies that have a diverse workforce where you'll be able to access all different perspective and perspectives and, 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 and influences. Because like Justin said, that's really how you create greatness. I mean, I mean, look at PepsiCo, for example. They're a company that really values diversity, and, and that's one of the reasons why they're able to create such innovative products and approaches. Um, all right, Justin, so let's switch gears and, and talk about time management. Now, we've, we've all seen these cooking competition shows, and it seems like there's this common denominator across most of them, and, and it's that the contestants are always racing against the clock. There's always a time limit of some sort. And even though that's TV, I'm assuming there's some reality to it and kitchens are places where you're just constantly rushed and need to manage your time as, as efficiently as, as, as possible. So I thought it would be interesting to hear some of your time management strategies. Now, a lot of, a lot of the students listening to this are, are probably pretty good at time management since you need to be in order to survive college. However, I'm sure some people are putting the fear of God into them right now, telling them how things are way more hectic when they enter the workforce. So I'm sure they'd love to learn as many effective strategies as possible, including yours. I don't think a lot of people understand the anxiety of being on the other side of a deadline. I wonder if Johnny's going to get this thing on, in on time because it's so crucial for the rest of the team. Uh, I wonder if this person is even going to show up to this meeting. Gosh, I put so much time and effort into getting here. What does that say about them? Time management is free. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, I like to – I when I have a deadline, a call time – so now that I work in food television, my deadlines are mostly around call times. Mm -hmm. You have to be in the lobby of the hotel at 8.30 uh, because there are hundreds of other people on this TV set that are all revolving around you and – we're all paying them. So do the math of how many thousands of dollars you're wasting per minute by being late. And I think that a lot of people don't think about timing like that. They right. don't think about right. how much time actually just gets wasted. And, Good point. you know, time is money. 
And when money is getting wasted, that's absolutely not good. That's not the point of business. That's not the point of jobs. The point is to make money and be productive. Um, and to me, uh, I always show up early for things. And this is my secret. You want to know one of my secret power moves? It's yeah. it's dastardly. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll show up. I'll show up ten minutes before I'm required to at a meeting, at a deadline, at any sort of thing, so that people say I'm sorry to keep you waiting. <laughs> That's great. I mean, you look. You were early for this call. Right. Well, I hey. loved it. I love that. I mean, what can I say? That just says so much about you and says it it puts more of the ball in your court when someone who has something that you want or are trying to impress uh, begins with a, hey, you were here before me. Wow, I'm sorry about that. I was supposed to be the polished one. Or I'm the person who's higher up on the ladder and you beat me to the punch. It's so simple. That cost me absolutely nothing right, to do. Right. If everyone had a big red clock and faced elimination – like we do in these competitive <laughs> reality cooking shows, right. I think the world would be a more highly functioning place. Uh, I mean, I, I, just one last example. Everybody says, man, you know, I went to Europe, I went to Japan, and the trains like were so efficient. That's because they're not late. It's, it's so simple. <laughs> it's not that the trains are efficient. They're just not they're late. They're just on time. So, so, Justin, now one of the things that's related to time management is multitasking. And, and it's another skill that – the students listening are, are probably pretty good at already since you need to be great at multitasking to get through college. But I still think it would be it would be helpful for them to get your perspective, especially since I feel like yours is a field where multitasking is really important. This is uh, a very dated analogy, but uh, there used to be this show called The Ed Sullivan Show way back in the day. You got to hit the YouTube if you want to see this. But a classic skit on the Ed Sullivan show, it was like a late night variety show, was a dude who would spin plates on top of sticks. And he would start out with one plate spinning on a stick, and then there would be three plates spinning on a stick. And then he would have just a wall of plates spinning on sticks. And as one sort of teetered out of control, he would run over to it and spin it again to keep it spinning on the stick. And, uh, you know, that was a very unique and uh, kind of on-the-nose metaphor for what it was like working in restaurants is you're literally spinning these plates uh, and making sure nothing falls to the ground, nothing comes crashing down. And um, the ability to multitask, I mean, it's it's obviously crucial, but I think the uh, where multitasking is scary is when the plates might fall. And oftentimes plates might fall. And so um, I learned this Latin expression the other day. I've been living in an RV, kind of cruising around the planet, and uh, I saw on another RV down the road from me, they had this Latin expression, festina lente, which means uh, kind of to make haste slowly. And when I saw that, I thought about that. And basically what that translates to is only spin as many plates as you can. Multitask as many things as you can do without letting the plates fall. So that guy got on the Ed Sullivan show. If he was going to let any of those plates fall, he would be a failure. So he simply knew exactly how much he could handle. It was more than the average human. It was more than the average bear. But he knew festina lente. I'm going to do as much as possible, as carefully as possible. I think once you can find the nexus of what you can do greatly and quickly, that's what multitasking is. And that's when multitasking that's is at point. its best. 
Man, I love that. The, what you can do greatly and quickly. I mean, that's 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 it. Um, and for you students out there, I can tell you this: at some point, you'll be on an interview, and someone will ask you to list your strengths. And if you plan to include multitasking on that list, you should be prepared to follow it up by explaining that you found that nexus that Justin is talking about. It's just a great way to put it. So, so Justin, we we all need to deal with surprises at work now and then. But I feel like expecting the unexpected is it seems to be built into your field. I mean, you got to you got to be a special kind of person to walk into work every day or night and not know what fire drill or issue or problem is going to be coming your way. So I'd love to know how you handle surprises or curveballs because I think learning your strategies and even how you mentally prepare for the unexpected could come in handy for the college students down the road who who are absolutely going to face surprises throughout their career, especially at the start of their career, when they might not have enough experience to spot situations where those surprises or curveballs are likely to happen. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) You know, they say the uh, fastest way to make God laugh is to make plans. Um, And I believe that a lot. Uh, I think that you should only make a plan when you know you are I think you should only make a plan when you are confident that you know as many parameters as possible. So, for example, let's just take uh, that famous uh, food television show where there are four items in a basket. You can plan all you want up until the moment that you open the basket. But from there, your plan will be demolished. There will be four <laughs> giant food shotguns just right at your plan. And that's the thing about planning is you have to be able to plan for the unexpected. And when really when the surprise is in a basket and you, you can't guess what is in the basket because it could be a million things. There, there are so many food items out there. Like you can't plan for what's going on. You can really only plan for how you're going to roll with the punches. I used to say to say to my line cooks, like, Okay, guys, you know, this person's vegan, gluten-free, has celiac, you know, whatever. Uh, This is the only time where I will let you play whatever song you want. These are the parameters. Jam out, boys. And then, you know, it it was not an imposition by the guest at that point. It was an exciting time for my cooks to be able to do whatever they wanted to do and to freestyle as long as it was in those parameters. And so that's how you have to look at surprises. Like this is my only opportunity to go off script. Like all of life is relatively scripted. It it sounds sad to say, but you know, you show up to work at a certain time, you say hello to certain people and you have the various interactions and they all generally kind of pan out the same way. Surprises are the only time when you really get to kind of flex your biggest muscle and that's your brain and your creativity and your result. Yeah, that's interesting because I, yeah, I think I think a lot of us view surprises and curveballs as negative things, and your your perspectives and that's a really refreshing one for students, especially for the students listening to think about and and hopefully internalize. Because you're right, surprises are a time when when you can go like you said off script because there's there is no script, and and that's when you can be really creative and do things differently. It's just a, it's a great perspective. So, so Justin, now, just about every job in, in every industry comes with rules, so to speak. And, of course, some would argue that you got to break the rules to stand out, to make, to make your mark. What are your thoughts on breaking the rules? So here's the thing. 
you got to know the rules to break the rules. That's what my cookbook's about. It's called The Laws of Cooking and How to Break Them. I think the rules are there to give you guidance uh, to prevent surprises. But surprises, as we said, will always happen. And when surprises happen and there is no rule to cover the surprise, that's when you get to go off script. That's your chance to strike. That's when you get to be creative. That's when you get to create, you know, the, this moment of wow where people will recognize where people will see and you got to wait for that opportunity um so you do enough of these things you play within the rules enough and then you start creating new rules and new norms and new things that are accepted now all of a sudden you're writing the script that's when you get promoted when people say maybe this guy's a great script writer the person who's writing the script should move on to directing multiple script writers that's it yeah that that makes a lot of sense um, so, Justin, let's let's switch gears. Um, a, a lot of us know chefs from TV, and it seems like a lot of them have really big personalities, which is which is probably why there are so many shows and and even networks dedicated to to your industry. Now, of course, big personalities can often mean big egos, and some might argue, hey, you know what, chefs need to have a big ego in order to make it. Maybe you could talk. Can you talk a little bit about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to ego? Yeah. Um, so my pal, who's also a TV chef, Sunny Anderson, recently uh, posted on her Instagram uh, a quote that she made up uh, from herself. Um, that was something um, about along the lines of my ego comes first. And that sounds so <laughs> egomaniacal, right? Like that sounds crazy. <laughs> but what she meant by this is her ego is the reason she gets up in the morning. Her ego is the reason she shows up to work on time. Her ego is the reason she hustles. Her ego is the reason she, you know, uh, chases after whatever golden dangling carrot she wants. And that was a big eye-opening moment to me where I was like, huh, ego can be an incredibly good thing mm. as long as your ego is what is powering you. I don't think that your ego should power other people. I mean, your ego is inside of you. It is the one of the few things that is wholly yours i think it's when people put their ego onto others that it becomes a bad thing you know everyone wakes up in the morning but not everyone has the same routine and not everyone says to themselves i'm gonna get today i'm gonna make today uh mine and i that's all ego driven stuff but that doesn't have to affect other people right ego should be drive and nothing more if ego turns into hubris or cockiness or overconfidence or the fact that – or ego turns into something where you're offending and hurting other people, that's just being a bad person. <laughs> you know, That's not drive. That's not hustle. You know, I don't think that you should step on other people to get up. I think your ego should motivate you to be better without stepping on people. And I think that – that is such an incredibly fine line. And that is truly the dance of restaurants, of corporate worlds, and ultimately of TV. You know, I think there have been a lot of chefs that are made, have made their way off of um, this reputation for putting other people down. And I think that as we move forward and we become uh, a more connected society, you know, as we all kind of get on the same internet ship, we're starting to learn about people that have been marginalized and people that have had their rights and voices trampled simply by ego. It's the bottom line. People didn't want to learn. That's hubris and that's bad ego. But 
But if you can drive and you can be successful and you can lift other people up with you and you can say, that's what I'm going to do when I wake up this morning is I'm going to bring everybody along with me as many people as can fit on this boat. And if they can all enjoy the ride, I mean, is there a greater success? I don't know. As far as being a human being, I don't think so. Yeah, I think um, that's just a great way to that's just a great way to look at ego and and how to keep it in check. Um, Okay, Justin. So. I want to do I want to do a lightning round, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a phrase, and I want you to just give you know first thing that pops into your mind. Uh, so here we go: a hard worker with a great attitude but little experience, or a hard worker with an overinflated ego with a ton of experience. Who are you hiring, and why? Uh, person A, so simple. You can train anyone to do anything. I mean, you can train a monkey to write Shakespeare. Uh, the the question is is will that monkey want to be trained? That's the bottom line. Asking for help. Always, definitely. Uh, it shows strength. <laughs> That's so simple. Put it. Um, never stop learning. Yeah, absolutely. Never stop learning. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the moment you stop learning as a human being, it's kind of like, I don't know, just retire already. Throw in the cards, you yep. know, like, just as long, like, please stop consuming resources if you're not learning. Uh, doing what you love. Ooh, that's tough. I don't think it's absolutely the greatest thing to say i should always be doing what i love i think that that leads to people that aren't well-rounded i mean think about it if you only ate food that you loved you'd be a picky eater (laughs) i gotta tell you that's a interesting way to look at uh doing something you love you don't normally you don't normally hear that kind of response i like that all right so we um we covered a lot of ground here and (laughs) and i think um I think there's a lot of stuff that you were, you know, that you talked about that actually really does, you know, could help the students listening build build some core skills um, that they could use when they um, when they get out into the real world, when they get out into the workforce. But but before we sign off, I just want to know: is there is there um, anything that maybe we didn't cover, or a piece of advice, or something that you would um, you want to you know tell the students that are listening to to keep in mind? Um, for when they um, when they venture out into uh, into the workforce? Uh, yeah. So I worked for this guy, Danny Meyer. He wrote a great book called Setting the Table. Uh, it's about restaurants and the enlightening power of hospitality and business. That's a whole other podcast. Um, but he liked this expression that's called, uh, or that is, the rising tide lifts all boats, which means that as the water comes in, Everyone benefits from this. Every boat can now go out to sea. Sometimes you're the tide. Sometimes you're the boat that gets risen by the tide. You shouldn't look at another boat and say, why is he getting the tide? You know, honestly, success just is good for everyone. You don't have to be the person doing it. You don't have to look at other people and say they did that. Oh, woe is me or get angry or upset. You just have to understand, like, if someone else is experiencing greatness that's going to be greatness for everyone when one person thrives in theory everyone should thrive and i think if you can say i'm going to be the rising tide that's going to lift all the boats or you can say i'm going to be a boat that is going to be risen by the tide you are going to achieve a lot of greatness in life yeah that was great well um justin thank you appreciate all the all the time all the information all the insight um this was great really appreciate it Sure thing, man. Absolutely my pleasure. Okay, and for you students out there, when you're looking for inspiration and ideas, don't limit yourself to those 
expected sources. Do what we did here on this podcast and consider unexpected sources as well. Like I mentioned earlier, this is something that PepsiCo does to infuse diversity of thought, create new products, spur innovation, even even build employee skills. And we wanted to give you the opportunity to experience that. And of course, if you want to be part of a culture like that, you should check with your career center to see if or when PepsiCo will be on your campus, maybe at a career fair or in the classroom or even partnering with a student organization. And of course, definitely check out opportunities at pepsicojobs.com. And when you apply, be sure to indicate that you heard about the opportunities through this podcast series. Thanks so much for listening.